We're going to be over in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. There was a chance we might have the children over here this morning, so I found a little tale I thought they would enjoy, but they're not here, so you'll have to just enjoy it without them. (laughs) There was a story of a toad who had just made some cookies, and as he tasted the cookies, they came out especially good. Have you ever had that? Some cookies you made just came out especially good? So he was eating the cookies, and he just decided he needed to share them, so he hopped on over to the frog's house, and he shared some of the cookies with the frog. They had a lot of cookies, and they were eating the cookies, and they were talking to each other about how good the cookies were. Frog said, boy, I've never had cookies quite this good. This is good, and they just kept eating more and more cookies. Eventually, Frog said, you know, we probably ought to stop eating the cookies because it's not good that we eat too many cookies. And Toad agreed with him and says, yeah, that's probably true, but how about if we have just one more? And so they each had one more cookie. After they finished that one more cookie, they said, well, it probably wouldn't hurt to have another one. Let's, let's just have one more cookie. And so they had another cookie, and they realized they had to put a stop to this. So, so um, Frog decided, I'm going to do that. He put the lid on top of the container of where the cookies were. And he said, there, now we'll have no more cookies. And the toad said, yes, but we can take the lid off the cookies. He says, yeah, that's true. So he went and got a string, and he tied the lid to the box in a real tight knot. And he says, there, now we'll have no more cookies. And the, the toad says, yeah, but we can cut the string. So he took the container with the knot, and he went up a really high ladder, and he put the cookies on a shelf really high. And he came on back down and says, there, now we will have no more cookies. And the toad said, yes, but we can go up the ladder, we can get the cookies, we can cut the string, we can open the lid, and we can have more cookies. So Frog came up with another idea. He went up the ladder, he retrieved the container of cookies, he cut the string, he opened the lid, and he took it outside, and he called for the birds. Birds, come and eat the cookies! And so birds came from all over, and each one grabbed a cookie and flew away with it and ate the cookie themselves. And so the frog says, there, no more cookies. Isn't it good to have willpower? (laughs) And the toad said to the frog, he says, you have all the willpower you want. I'm going home to bake a cake. It seems that no matter how much we try and stay away from sin, sin has a way of finding us, doesn't it? No matter how much we try and resist something, there seems to be a way that we can go ahead and dip into it anyway. We're going to look at the temptations of Jesus here today. Just to recall your memory to some things we went over before, when we talked about the three realms of where attacks come from. The first realm, Satan's kingdom. We see the substance of his attacks that come from there were deception and wrong thinking. The devil likes to come after you with thoughts. If your thoughts are being plagued with things, it comes from the Satan's kingdom. The other one is the world system. The world systems, the substance of these is conformity and pressure. If what you are up against involves conformity and pressure, it's coming from the world system. The other one is our flesh which is temptation and wrong desire. If what you are facing involves temptation and wrong desire, it is in your flesh where the problem is. Our defense against Satan 
we submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. Our defense comes from being in him, in Christ. When we have an attack against the, from the world system, we need to know the word. We need to hold to the word. Don't seek the world's approval or its blessings. Our defense comes from the word. The world is trying to get you to conform to a different image. The word is trying to get you to conform to the image of Christ. The third, against our flesh, we need to bring our flesh into subjection to your spirit. So Paul talked about. It comes from being disciplined and in authority. Our defense comes from our discipline and training. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How many were up on Facebook this morning? We're going to get you there eventually. How many saw the little post we put on the little question we put up there? Alright, here's the question for you. Let's read this verse again. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Here's the question we put up on Facebook for you this morning for you to ponder over. If the purpose of Jesus going into the wilderness was to be tempted of the devil, why did it not start for forty days? Did you ever ask yourself that? Doesn't the Word of God say that the purpose, sure seems it, the purpose that he had for going to the wilderness was what? To be tempted of the devil. If the purpose of Jesus going into the wilderness is to be tempted of the devil, why didn't that start right away? Why do we wait 40 days? Think of it this way. If the purpose of you going to the restaurant is to order a meal, how many of you are ready to wait 40 days? How many of you get a little upset if you wait 40 minutes? The purpose of going to the restaurant is if you go to a particular place and stand in line, your purpose for standing in line is to get help or get assistance or whatever is on the other side of the line. If you have to wait 40 days, are we going to get a little irritated? We're missing the purpose of why Jesus went into the wilderness. Obviously, if it's not until 40 days that Jesus encounters the devil, there's another purpose in there. Let's go back to some of other Jesus' teaching. The Word of God says, rightly divide the Word of God. How do you rightly divide the Word of God? By looking at other areas of the Scripture. In Jesus' own teaching, what's the purpose of fasting? To remove doubt. To get rid of that aspect of the flesh to subdue the flesh and get rid of that residual doubt that remains in us. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus dealt with the disciples and they said, why could we not cast the demon out? When they had that demon, the nine of them were trying to deal with and he wouldn't go and Jesus came down and said, oh faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring him to me. They brought him to him and he said, leave and the spirit left and they came to him and said, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Isn't that the answer to the question? When Jesus says, when they ask him, Jesus, why could we not cast it out? Does he say because of your lack of prayer and fasting? He says what? 
because of unbelief. This is unfamiliar to you. Go to Mark chapter 9. At home, not now. <laughs> Go to Mark chapter 9 when you're at home sometime and read it over and find out what, what, did, what actually happened. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. That's the purpose for why they couldn't cast it out. He says, this kind is removed only by prayer and fasting. He's not talking about prayer and fasting demons. Jesus didn't just come from a place of prayer and fasting. But Jesus in the wilderness was praying and fasting for 40 days. What's the purpose of it? To remove doubt so that when you encounter the enemy, you win. So the purpose of Jesus going into the wilderness was to prepare for 40 days for what would happen afterward. The purpose of him going into the wilderness was to defeat the devil and to be successful. And God gave him 40 days to get him ready. And then at the end of 40 days, the Word of God says he was hungry. How many of you would be hungry after 10 days? After one day, we would be hungry, right? Well, we saw a lot of people in the Word of God who had supernatural fasts, and it doesn't seem that they even hungered over those 40 days. Now, I'm not going to ask you questions about how many of you fast and how many do things of that nature. You can fast. You can not fast. You can do whatever you want to. I used to have days of fasting. I do not anymore. But I used to have days of fasting. Now, the reason that I used to have days of fasting and I don't anymore is because I learned some things. The things I learned was from Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin taught us he had days of fasting. And in some of his days of fasting, the Spirit of God spoke to him. And he said, Fasting is good, but I would prefer that you live a fasted life. To which Brother Hagin said, Well, what is a fasted life? And he says that every day you don't eat all that you want to eat. That every day that you approach the meal, you don't just uh, pig out, so to speak. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what he you I'm just trying to summarize. And so he, he embarked on, on doing that. And so I learned from that, but I, I wasn't there yet. I figured I need to get what I got from the days of fasting, the single days, multiple days, things like that. So I spent some days, single days, multiple days, praying and fasting and doing that until I got what I, I felt like I needed to from there and then began to, to go on and, to, and do that. I still shock my family to this day. My, they sit across the table for me because, you see, when I go on vacation, I drop it. And they always laugh at me when I drop it. Because when I drop prayer and fa- no, the, the fasted life, I can eat an entire pizza. I don't need help. I can eat the entire pizza. I can then, after eating the entire pizza, go out and have ice cream. I have an incredible appetite. But if you watched me at home, you'd wonder what in the world is going on. Because sometimes, you know, I just have one, one little bit of thing here and not too much over here and sometimes I, I, it's, I'm just not eating a whole lot. And then all of a sudden they go on vacation and we drop that. And we pick up on some other... Now I don't have too many vacation days, but those, those things come up. But you see, I, that's what you want to do. You wanna, the idea is to keep your flesh under. What he would teach us in these things was what good is it if you suppress your flesh for a day, two days out of a week, and then gorge out. And I, I understood that and I learned from that. But uh, if you're, you're in the spot, you haven't gotten the, the benefit of days of fasting, you get the benefit of the days of fasting. And then go on and begin to learn about the fasted life. I like what he taught us about it. I followed after those kinds of things. I bet you that Jesus, after his 40 days, was living more of a fasted life. I don't know that for sure. Word of God doesn't teach us that. It just would seem to be very, very likely that it was that way. But anyway, that's just a side note. But Jesus spent the time of praying and fasting for the purpose of building up his spirit stronger than his flesh. Most 
or many Christians have their flesh so strong that they mistake their flesh for the Spirit of God. How many of you ever mistaken something? I have to give you a story. This just happened to me here this morning. I'm sitting in my office and you know how your computer will ding at you when things happen? And um, I, I didn't have my computer on Facebook at the time, but my phone just seems to always be on it and my phone dinged at me that I got a Facebook message. And I looked over and there was a friend request from someone that I knew. Rick Renner sent me a friend request at 4 a.m. in the morning. I thought, well, look at that. I said, I thought I was already friends with Brother Rick Renner. And so I accepted the friend request and went on and just uh, was doing some other things. Then I got a message from Brother Rick Renner talking to me personally. How you doing? What's going on? And he was asking, is there anything in particular that we can pray for? And I was having a discussion with this and, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing just uh, t- too, too strange. And then all of a sudden, um, asked a question and I said, this isn't Rick. Now, the picture was, was Rick and is actually one from his, uh, from, that I recognized from, from him in his church. This isn't Rick. He asked something that Brother Rick won't answer. Won't answer. So I stopped the conversation and went on. But how many times can we begin to mistake something that I also remember too that Brother Rick Renner put up on his site. He says, I don't have a personal page. I said, oh yeah, that's right. Brother Rick said he doesn't have a personal page. That's why I never was friends with him before. I'm just on his ministry page. And so I just cut off that thing. We severed the relationship and that, uh, that went away. But um, you know, sometimes our flesh will come up and we don't understand that it's the flesh. We think it's the spirit. There's a lot of Christians who go around and say, well, God told me and then tomorrow God told them something different. There's no consistency to it. You've got to make sure that you... Because the Spirit of God doesn't change His mind. If the Spirit of God tells you this is truth, it will always be truth. Even if you learn more. What you learned before from the Spirit of God is still truth. You just learn more truth. But it doesn't disagree with the other truth. If the Spirit of God tells you to do this, He's not going to change His mind tomorrow. It's not the Spirit of God. You've got to learn these, these things about it. So Jesus is out here. Forty days he spent fasting and praying and building up his spirit and getting himself ready. Because he's going to encounter the enemy. This is only one small thing that he's going to encounter. He's going to encounter a lot more as time goes on. He needs to be built up. He needs to be strengthened. He needs to be ready to face this, this sort of thing. And so that's what he did. Let's go over this, uh, this again. Somehow my screen went all the way on down. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he combated this. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Here's the thing, folks. The devil wants to tempt you with what you want. 
whether that thing is good or whether that thing is bad, he wants to tempt you with what you want. Is it wrong to like bread? No. It's not wrong to like bread. Is it wrong to want bread? Is it wrong to go get bread? No. Nothing wrong with this at all. But you see, the devil is subtle this way. He wants to come in and he wants to tempt you with something that seems okay, that seems right, that seems will work. You are the Son of God if you are the Son of God. But here's the problem. The problem is not in getting the bread. The problem is if you are the Son of God. He's trying to get you to prove yourself. You do not need to prove who you are to any devil. To any spirit that comes from his kingdom. Don't give in to it. You don't need to prove it. You are who you are. You are who God made you. Now, the natural need here is food. There's a natural need. He needs food. He hasn't had any for 40 days. He needs food. The spiritual need here is knowing who I am in God. There are a lot of Christians who do not yet know who they are in God. And the devil is able to tempt them and to move them if you truly are a child of God. If you really are baptizing the Spirit, faith-filled Christian, surely you can do this. And he tries to get us to do things to prove who we are. You do not need to prove who you are to Satan or anyone else. Who you are is between you and God. And as you become who you are in the Word of God, it will become evident to those that are around. Has the devil ever tempted you with this thought, if you are the Son of God? No, because he knows you're not. (laughs) There's no reason to tempt you with that or get you to doubt that you are the Son of God because you know I am not the Son of God. But Jesus was just told when he was being baptized, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then after the time of fasting, he comes to this temptation, if you are the Son of God. So if he gives in to that, he is doubting the very word that God spoke to him. Plus whatever other times he he had it. He has also known it before. Remember remember he was 12? He's in the, the synagogue. Did you not know that I would be about my Father's business? The devil wants to try and get you to doubt who it is you are, what it is that you have, what it is God has spoken to you in very subtle ways. But if you prove it on this, then who's to say you don't have to prove it on something else? And then prove it on something else. And then prove it again. And then pretty soon you're stuck in the area of proving. You don't need to prove a thing to the devil. It doesn't matter if he knows or cares or what you want. He's not the one you're out to please. Who's the one you're out to please? Out to please God. That's all. We want to please our Father. So the spiritual need here is knowing who I am in God. How are you going to know who you are in God? By going around proving it? No, by learning what, it, what the Word of God says about you. Brother Hagen had a great study. I believe we still have some of those books around. If not, we can probably go find some more. But the In Him books. How many of you have the In Him book? little mini book in him a little bit of teaching in the beginning a bunch of verses in the end that uh, talk about being in him and he 
used to tell us when we were in school. This is the first time I heard him talk about it. He's talked about it in a lot of his books. He said, spend time meditating on all the verses in the, in the New Testament that deal with in Him, in whom, in Christ, and so forth. He says, because you need to know who you are. These are verses that talk about who you are in Christ, who you are in Him. They're not based on what you do. They're based on what you are declared to be. You need to know who that is. Know who it is. Don't feel like you've got to prove it to anybody. Now, what are the dangers of not having this need satisfied? If you don't know who you are by the Word of God, then other people can begin to tell you who you are. Why do people have an inferiority complex? Because they believe what other people said they were. They believe what other people said about them. If you don't believe what the Word of God says about you, you will be open to believe what others have said. I think we gave it to you somewhere in here before. But if, if you resist the truth, if you don't listen to the truth, if you don't take the truth in, if you don't believe the truth, you are open to it being replaced by what is false. Now, I put this in, note in your outline. The satisfaction of natural needs is only detrimental to our spiritual growth if we sacrifice what is spiritual to do so. It is not a problem to go get bread. But if you're going to get bread to prove who you are in the Spirit, to prove who you are in God, now bread becomes a problem. Don't be doing that. Know who you are spiritually. Don't prove it to anyone. So that's the first one. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. You see how subtle the enemy comes in to get you to doubt something God spoke? If you really have faith, you should be able to do this. And maybe if we can't do that, we, oh, I guess I don't have faith. What does the Word of God say about you? Each one has been given a measure of faith. How are you born again? Through faith. If you are born again, you have faith. If you are the family of God, you have faith. Faith is there. You've got faith. Don't let the devil try and tell you that you don't. Don't let him try and get you to where if you had faith, you'd be healed. If you had faith, this would be so. If you had the love of God in you, then you wouldn't be... So he gets you to question what the Word of God says. But the love of God has been poured out in our heart. That's what the Word of God has said. It's there. You don't have to prove it to anyone. So here's the first thing we learn from this. Don't prove who you are. Know who you are and rest on that. That's all you got to do. Jesus is not going to prove who he is. To Satan or anyone else. How many times do people say, show us a sign? And what's he say about that? I'm not showing you a sign. I don't need to do that. I don't need to prove to you who I am. There's the next one. Matthew 4 and verse 5. Prove your position by doing something great. He wants to prove your position by doing something great. First one is to prove your position by ministering to your own needs. Second one, prove your position by doing something great. You only all know, you got some needs. And when we are pointed to the lack in those needs, the devil wants to use it as proof for who we are not. Don't buy into that. So prove your position by doing something great. 
Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in your hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written, Again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, the devil's coming at him with Scripture. Now, how do you, how do you fight the enemy? Submit and resist. How do you know if you have submitted to God? You go, you submit to God's will. How do you know God's will? His Word. His Word teaches us His will. So no matter what we're facing, the Word of God is going to help us. But you've got to know what the Word of God is as far as the will of God so that you are in submission when you face the enemy. So what the enemy is trying to do is to get you to convert to a different will. Temptation involves will. I will do this. I will not do this. When you were little, or if you're raising little ones, if you say to them, do not eat the cookies, what do they want to do? They want to eat the cookies. If you say, do not go out into the street, suddenly they want to go out in the street. We've activated a will. That will has risen up and is against your will. And a battle ensues. Temptation involves will. I either follow my will or God's will. That's basically it. You're either going to follow your will or you're going to follow God's will. Which one are you going to do? Which one are you going to feed? If we stay on in the Word of God and learn about God's will and keep feeding on that, we can pursue it. But sometimes, well, let's put it this way. It is easier to do God's will when I want to. Isn't that right? I mean, it's no problem to do God's will when I want to. How many of you know that most Sundays, I'm talking to you folks here, most Sundays you want to go to church. Is it God's will that Christians be in church? Sure it is. Most Sundays, how many of y'all know, I want to go to church. Have you ever had it where some Sundays you didn't? I don't want to go to church. Why? A few people shaking their head no. Good for you. That's all right. But every once in a while, you know, something happens and I don't want to go there. I don't want to, I don't want to go to church. Why? Well, I had a fight with so-and-so. Or such and such people will be there. Or they're going to sing that song. I don't like that song. All they're going to do, and whatever it is, and things will come up, and if you focus on them, you begin to say, I don't want to go to church. Maybe you look outside, and it's rainy. You don't look outside now and see snow, but think of, you, think of January. And you look outside, and there's a bunch of snow out there. And you say, hmm, I don't know if I want to go to church today. I was thinking I wanted to, but now I look outside and it's cold outside. And it's snowy outside. And I don't know if I want to go to church. Right? So something can come up and change your want to. But as long as my want to is in line with God's want to, we're in good shape. The problem comes in is when my want to is different from God's want to. When God says, go off and minister to that person over there. And as long as I want to it's easy oh sure I can go over there and do that 
But what happens when the person who's on the receiving end does something, is a certain way, has some characteristics that tell us, I don't want to. I don't want to. And something rises up on the inside of us that says, no. No, don't want to. That's not so good. And the devil took him up on the exceeding high mountain. Well, we didn't finish with this one yet. Hang on a minute. Let's, let's go on back here. Let's look at it again. The devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So we're quoting scripture at him now. This is what the Bible says. If you are the Son of God, we're still, going, we're still trying to get him to question this part. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up. Well, bless God, who ought to do that? I'm the Son of God. If I threw myself down, God needs me. He needs me to accomplish his purpose. Surely he's going to do that. That's a good idea. Let's go ahead and do that. I'll just throw myself on down here. <laughs> but Jesus comes back and he says, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, a lot of times we hear this and we just accept it. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. But tempting God is asking him to follow my will instead of me following his will. That's tempting God. God, I want to do this and you need to help me. Tempting God is asking Him to follow my will instead of me following His will. But I'm here to follow the will of God. God is not here to follow mine. Is it, in the, is, is it the will of God for Jesus to cast Himself down from the temple? No. There's no purpose in God has no purpose in that. And Jesus recognizes it. And he says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I'm not going to make God do what I want him to do. I'm here to do his will. How many times does Jesus say that? I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm here to speak the word to the Father. I'm here to do the actions of the of what the Father sent me to do. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he knows that. And, but the devil will try and bring words, the scripture in, to try and taint the, 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 the water here. Try and muddy it a little bit. Try and get you to see things not quite so clearly. So that I have reason to do what I want to do. And that's not good. That's not what we want to do. We've got to follow after his will. That's submission. You don't have to do anything great to prove who you are in God. The world may sometimes ask you, well, if you are a Christian, I'll bet you can do this. If, you, if God really is real, do this. And they'll try and get you to prove things. Folks, even if you prove to people the will of God, even if you prove to people through doing great signs, what are they going to do? Remember Jesus' words to Carson? Oh, Carson. If the signs that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented with sackcloth and ashes. 
How many times did Jesus talk about signs to the people that were around? They saw great things that Jesus did. They saw great healings. And what did they constantly do? Come back and doubt God. Come back and doubt Him. And even at the cross, they're crucifying Him. How many people are yelling, crucify Him, crucify Him, who were in the meetings? How do you get people so worked up and angry about a man they don't know? Wouldn't they have had to have been there and to see some things? Wouldn't they have had to have some interaction? And they took that interaction and they turned it into something wrong, something bad. But all that Jesus did was good. No matter how much good you do, folks, the world will still find a way and still find a reason to hate you. That's all right. Jesus told you they wouldn't. He said they hated me. (laughs) They're going to hate you too. Don't you worry about it. I began to ask myself that question with, uh, you know, all the stuff going on in the political world. With all the hatred in the media over Donald Trump, I'm beginning to ask myself this question. Is Donald Trump saved? I'm just kind of messing around with you here on this one, but I'm just, I'm just wondering. Because usually that kind of hatred from the media is saved for people who are born again. I have no evidence that Donald Trump is saved. None. And I'm not trying to pursue you that he did like that is. I'm just looking at this and say, boy, that much hatred is usually reserved to someone born again, someone following after God, someone doing doing good things. But then, of course, he has made some stands for some things that how many of you wish some Christians would make some stands for? He's made some stands about uh, taking Planned Parenthood out. He's made some stands about standing for Israel. Huh. He's made some stands, folks. And I wish some Christians would make some of those stands. Now, if you want to see this, you know, just go over to Dr. Ben Carson's website. You'll find out he's standing for a lot of the same things. And they hate him, too. <laughs> they certainly do. That's all right. We're not getting into all that sort of stuff there now. But, but the world will hate you. The world will hate you when you stand for the things of God. Don't think it a strange thing. Don't be wondering about it. It's okay. Verse 8. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, Now they may not be in Israel right now. They may be outside of Israel. Going to some other places. Because the idea here is not just the nation of Israel. The idea is the world. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. You know what is neat? The devil does all this and Jesus is not impressed. How many of you, if you were in a place and you were taken to an exceedingly high mountain... For lack of a better one, let's just take Mount Everest. How long would it take you to get to the top of Mount Everest? Now, some of you may say, well, maybe a couple of hours, maybe a day or something. How many of you are saying, I will never get there? <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm not go- I don't like cold. I don't like going up to all those. That's, this is not going to happen. That's, um, but all of a sudden, in an instant, you are up on the top of the mountain. Now, some folks... As soon as they got there, get me down. Okay, but 
Jesus wasn't that way, but he was suddenly moved to the top high mountain and saw all the kingdoms and their glory. He didn't just have a spectacular view. He saw all their kingdoms and their glory. This would be something. This is not your normal everyday thing. Took him up there and he saw all, all that. Here's what he says. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now we've made reference to this a number of times. But in order for this to a temptation, it must be real. Right? And if anyone's going to know it's not real, it would be the Son of God. He has to know that this is real or it's not temptation. If somebody were to come to you and say, I'm going to give you a million dollars. That sounds great. That could be enjoyable. But what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Do you have a million dollars? Because if they don't have a million dollars, they can't give you a million dollars, right? They actually have to have more than a million dollars to give you a million dollars. They have to have a million dollars. Now, if Donald Trump came to you and said, I'm going to give you a million dollars, well, you know he's worth billions because he reminds you of it all the time. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just nice to hear somebody who's not apologizing for what they have. I kind of like that. God has blessed you. Don't go around apologizing for what you have. So he says, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now that's one one of, that is not the only thing, but that is one of the things Jesus came to get. To get the authority that Adam lost. He says, I'll give it all to you. You don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to go through all the suffering. I will give it to you right here now. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now in this one, Satan doesn't come to him with verses of Scripture. He just comes to him with the ultimate prize. I'm going to give this to you. And he says, Get away from me. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Another uh, area, it says the devil left him for a more opportune time. Then just leave him alone. Wouldn't it be nice if you just battled the devil three times and it was over? How many of you, that would be good. Yeah, that's not what happened. We're just, we're just clued into these, uh, these battles that have gone on here. So he says, let's go back over here. All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He says, away with you, Satan, for you shall worship the Lord your God. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Him only will you serve. Now, this part here, this is the spiritual truth. Some of the things that the devil brings up, when he brings up the, the fact that in the temptation before, throw yourself down, for he will bear his, his angels will, will bear you up, and such things like that. There are some times that the devil will come after you with spiritual truth. 
He will come after you with things that are truth. And these things, some of these things that the devil has come at him with are spiritual truths. Not a worldly one. But he speaks truth. He may speak the truth, but he errs in the application. When he says, cast yourself down, that was a spiritual truth. It came from the Word of God, didn't it? But what happened? He errs in the application. Many times, people err in the application. How many people have heard non-Christians say, judge not lest ye be judged? That is a spiritual principle. That is a spiritual truth. That's in the Word of God. But their application is wrong. Just because people tap into and know a spiritual truth doesn't mean they have the right application for the thing. You may have the revelation, this is a hammer. It doesn't mean you know what the right application is. I told my uh, granddaughter, she was out in the shop and I was doing a particular thing and there's a, there's a particular tool I have in the shop. It's a simple tool. It's not a complex tool. It's a simple tool. But it cannot be used for anything else but what I'm using it for. That's it. It can. If you take it outside and use it on something else, it is ruined. So I keep it in a box so it's out of sight. And it only comes out when I use it. It's a mallet. How many of y'all know the difference between a mallet and a hammer? A hammer is hard iron, generally. Smaller, greater impact at the, at the force. A mallet is bigger, softer material and tries to spread the impact out. They're both designed for impact. But in the area with the, with the, the mallet, when I use that particular one is when I'm putting these drawers together for customers. And I need something that will bang the pieces into place without damaging the wood. And without putting other matter in there. If you take the mallet and use it outside and get little bits of stone or sand in the soft material and I come back and use it on the drawers, I will have little impressions of sand and rocks every place that I go. If I get marks on it, if I get colors on it, those colors will be impressed upon the things that I'm, I'm using it for. So I keep it away, but it was out, and she saw this thing, and I said, that's a mallet. And you know what she says? Mallet. Said it pretty clear too. Mallet. She knew what that was. She's carrying it around. She is, it's a mallet. Now, she doesn't know exactly how to apply the mallet, because the mallet looks like a hammer. So what do you do with a hammer? You bang things. That's not the best use of a hammer. You just, just to bang things. But you see, she may know what a thing is, but doesn't know how to use the thing. Doesn't know its proper application. And that's the thing with the devil. He may know a truth. That's the thing with the world. They may know a truth, but they don't know its right application. Don't get application from the devil. Don't get application from the world. They do not know how to apply the truth of God's Word. They don't know how to do it. The Spirit of God does. Listen to the Spirit of God. He's going to tell you how to apply the truths that you learn. Because the most important thing about truths is what you do with them. It makes no difference what you know if you don't know what to do with it. Now put this in your outline. It's not enough to know truth. We must know how to rightly apply it. 2 Timothy 2.15 be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you're going to rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to compare it with other places. You're going to compare it with other scripture. You're going to take all the truth of the word of God 
and understand how to use it, how to apply it, how to, to make that thing work for you. How you get there is more important than what you get. Now the devil tells him, all these things I will give you. I will give you. Because he has them. I will give you these things if you fall down and worship me. Just fall down. Just two minutes. Two minutes of worship and I'll give all this to you. That's it. Because he knows we will get you to violate another truth. We will get you to violate another principle. Don't let the world, don't let the enemy talk you into violating the truth that you know. Hang on to the truth that you learned from the Word of God. You've got to hang on to it. He's going to try and pull you off, but don't do it. Now, I'll put this in your outline for you, right there at the bottom. Real submission involves supply. Real submission involves supply. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being ministered to with the Holy Spirit, fasting and praying and doing things. He did not have a wilderness experience like a lot of people want to talk about where God was not there. If the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, who was in the wilderness? The Spirit of God. Because He led him into the wilderness. He's there. They're having communion. They're having fellowship. He's being built up. He's being encouraged. He is getting His source and supply from the Spirit. And then what happens is he comes out of that and the devil wants to say, you have a lack of supply. Turn this, these rocks into bread. No, he kept his eyes on the supply that he had. And he says, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, I won't do that. He tries to get him to distrust what God has said to him, that he is the Son of God. He tries to get to to, to a scripture. But he doesn't do it. He tries to say, look, your ultimate purpose is here is, is to come here and get the power back. Get the kingdoms back. I'll give it all to you right now. So where's where are the kingdoms of this world? Satan's got them. They're his. But our home is not of this world. And eventually, Jesus is going to come and he's going to set up a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to set up his kingdom in the millennial reign and then a new heaven and a new earth after that. But right now, this is not his kingdom. It's the world's kingdom. But the world constantly wants to say, well, whatever's going on here must be God. It's a wrong application. We're not understanding these things. Don't, take, don't get your stuff from the world. But real submission involves supply. Where does your supply come from? I put this in your outline. What I receive from the most is what I will submit to the most. What you, submit, what you receive from the most is what I will submit to the most. What do you receive from? If you receive from the Spirit of God on a regular basis, you will submit to Him. If you receive nothing from God, you're not going to submit to Him. If you receive from a friend, is there not going to be a submission there? If you stop receiving from that friend, what happens to the, to the submission? It can be gone. If you receive from a boss, if that boss provides you safety, protection, 
increase. There's submission there. But if that boss does not supply those things anymore, if he's talking behind your back, if he's cutting your wages, messing with your paycheck, what happens to your submission to that boss? <laughs> it begins to waver a little bit, doesn't it? Where you get your supply? See, a lot of Christians don't get their supply from God. They get their supply from the world. They get their supply from their flesh. They get their supply from other places. Get your supply from God. That's why you spend time with God on a regular basis. That's why you're in the Word, reading the Word, on our, like in the reading program that we do. That's why you're praying to God on a regular basis. Don't just go on off there and say, well, I'm going to spend this much time and pray for this long. That's okay if you do that. But as Smith Wigglesworth once said, he said, how long do you pray? He was asked that question. How long do you pray? He says, I don't usually pray longer than five minutes. He says, well, how... He says, but I also don't let uh, more than 15 minutes go between prayers or some kind of thing like that. Prayers don't have to be long. But stay in constant touch. If you have your supply from God, you will be much easier to submit to Him. You've got to have that supply going on. God wants to continue to supply you. God wants to continue to, to, to feed you. What's He feed you with? He feeds you with peace. He feeds you with joy. He feeds you with love, with faith, with truth from the Word of God, with understanding, with wisdom. These are all things that come to you from God. If you do not pursue these things, if you cut off these things, your submission is going to be affected. put this in your outline, the devil will do anything to cut off your supply or to change your supply source. In the third temptation, the devil is trying to get him to change his supply source. Don't, don't let him do that. Don't let him change your supply source. He's going to get you to say, has God really said? Has God really done? Has God really ministered to you? Has God really helped you? How many times have you seen people in the body of Christ who were healed of something and then sometime down the road you go up to them and say, how you doing? And they well... <laughs> and it's not good. Why? Because the devil came to him and said, has, has God really healed you? What is this pain over here? What is this over here? And he begins to steal the thing that God gave him. Well, see, God is, is, is out to, to, to help you with things. Church is a place where you are to be fed. When you get to church, it ought to be a place where you are fed. It's a place for you to worship God together. It's, yes, you can worship God alone, and yes, you can feed on God alone, but that's not the only thing that God said. He said, get to church, worship together, learn. Church is where you sow. Church is where you serve. Brother Tony Cook was here teaching us about serving, about working in the kingdom, and what we can gain from, from those things. These are things we need. There's something that you receive from that. It's a source. When you serve God, when you do what God has told you to do and minister, it's a source. It's a feeding. Jesus, when he's at the well with the woman with the with the um, water pots, and she comes, and they have that discussion, and then his disciples come back with the food, and she leaves, and Jesus says, "I have food." that you do not know. And the disciples said amongst themselves, did somebody come back early and feed them? <laughs> they're, I'm, they're not sure about that. He 
fed off of doing the will of God. There's a feeding that comes from that. When God tells you over at work, go minister to that person. Go give this to that person. Go help this person. Go, and He tells you to do certain things. And God says it to do it, not your flesh. But God says, go out there and do this. There will be ministry coming back to you. It will build you up. It will encourage you. That's part of your source. When the Spirit of God says, get into the Word right now. Why is He doing that? Because He's got something for you. He's the source. When God speaks something to you, and you get revelation down in your spirit, you need to sit there and write it down or meditate on it. Do something with it. God gave it to you. It's your source. As you continue to build on that source, submission is easier. But if your source becomes your flesh, it's harder. It's harder to, to do that. If your source becomes the world, then whatever the world does that it doesn't like in you will pressure you into conforming to their image what they want you to do. Don't let the world be your source. That's why Jesus said right off the bat, the world is going to hate you. On account of the word. It's going to hate you. Just know it. That's what it's going to be. Don't, don't go after them. Don't try and get their approval. They aren't going to approve you. They aren't going to do anything to help you. Just let them go. It's the world. But the devil wants to come in and he wants to strangle that source. If you truly are a child of God, if you really are the righteousness of God, if you really are forgiven, if you really are, and he'll get you to question these, begin these, these things, because you don't know who you are. You go back to the Word of God. The Word of God says, I am. The Word of God says this. He's going to try and get you, get you to doubt the supply that God has given you. Don't doubt his supply. My God will take care of all my needs. My God will minister to me. My God will do. When God gives you a purpose, I need you to go here and do such. Go over there and do such. Get it done. God will help you to get it done. He'll, he'll do great things for you. Don't look at the people that you're around. Don't look at all the obstacles that are around. If God has said, go and do such and such, then you can go and do such and such. I have the word of God. I am to do this. And we got roadblocks. And we just God does a roadblock right here. I thank you that you move it. When Moses stood in front of the Red Sea, what did he do? Stretched out his staff. What happened to the obstacle? It went away. What happened to the obstacle that was behind him? It went away. God is in the business of removing obstacles. The enemy is in the business of putting them in your way for the purpose of challenging your source, challenging your submission, to get you to submit to something different, to get you off of what you're supposed to do. Don't let him do it. Don't let the world do it. Keep coming back and have those times of refreshing. You should continually be in the presence of God. Songs should come up on the inside of you. The Word of God should be a part of your meditation constantly. Just keep on going over these things, thinking on these things, thanking God. Father God, I thank you for the revelations I get today. Father God, I thank you for the opportunities I get to worship. I thank you for the things you speak to me today. When you speak to me, I will speak them out to other people. Let him be your source. The more you draw off of God, 
the more submitted you will be. It won't wear you out. It will encourage you. It will fire you up. It will help you out. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the wonderful way that you lead us. The wonderful way that you direct us. We thank you for the word of God that empowers us. The enemy will come come and try and twist it. The world will try and pressure us away from it. But Father, it is everything to us. We love your word. We constantly learn from your word. The times we're not in your word, we'll be meditating on your word. And you will speak revelation. You will speak life to us. And we receive all that you have to say. We give you the glory for it. We will face temptation. But you have purposed that when temptation comes, we would be victorious. Not that we would fall. So, Father, just as you purposed that Jesus would have victory over the enemy, you purposed the same for us. You've given us those times of refreshing, those times of edification, those times we are built up. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. How about some praise reports? What's God been doing here? Do I have all of them? All right. This one is from Ray. He says, I thank God that I am fully healed, apparently missed by my coworkers, and am able to resume my ministry at the hospital. Praise God. Ento said, um, this week at a training conference, all the participants were entered into a raffle, and I won the highest prize. Praise God! Woohoo! Praise God. This one is from Nikolai. He says, I've been having a few challenges. Um, try to throw me off my track. He says, but I know that my, my faith makes me whole. Satan has been attacking our family, our health, trying to put lies in our minds, attacking both of our cars and, and his job. On Thursday, he received a call, um, or he, he received my layoff papers from my company, and Satan tried to enter thoughts of fear. Oh, and that happened on Thursday as they were coming here to um, practice uh, for, with the worship team. Um, <clears throat> and then suddenly, it all started when I entered the church doors. The Spirit told me to put worship music on. Um, put worship music on for a listen, not knowing then that this was our worship time, them personally. Um, the Spirit laid very heavy, telling me that I needed to worship and praise during this time. At first, I didn't, I didn't get that I needed to worship like I have never worshipped before. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit hit me. I fell to my knees in obedience and submission. During this time, I cast all my cares and worries on God and began to worship. I was cleansed and renewed with joy, peace, and happiness. And then suddenly, the Spirit told me that I needed to be praying differently. And immediately, I began speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Spirit was so heavy on me, I began to see things I needed to change and see things needed in my life and in my family and there is more coming because we prayed they prayed they worshipped mm-hmm. and immediately the things that the devil tried to do have begun changing 
And so look for part two next week because it's going to be good. Um, Jolly said he was selected for another chaplain training next week in Charleston, South Carolina. Amen. Praise God. And how many of you enjoyed Pastor Tony's teachings this week? You know, I never like to hear about work, <laughs> but that answered so many questions. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, the enemy was always trying to get me to, to believe I wasn't doing enough. You know, and that was one of the things I had to fight about is that you're not ready to go to heaven because you haven't done enough. But the enough was things that I didn't, I didn't see the things I was doing as being works for the Lord. And so that was really a wonderful time of teaching, and I'm so grateful for his ministry and grateful to be back. We had a wonderful time at our retreat. We got to see Doug Jones and hear his teaching, and you all get to be blessed by him in October. Um, just a wonderful time seeing old friends and being together and coming back here. Hmm. We had a prayer request. Jennifer was asking for prayer. Her said her company was bought out where she works and her job is saved, but they're going to move her to another location. So she's praying that location is close by. So let's all stand up. Father, we just thank you for answers to prayer as we take our situations and turn them over to you. That Father God, you work good things for us. I thank you for the things you're working right now in Jennifer's life, in her job, in the things that are going on there. The Father, you have not forgotten her and you are looking out for your kids. And we appreciate the way that you do that. Look forward to a good praise report. What will happen out of, out of that? Father, we won't get into fear and anxiety about anything, but all things we bring it to you through prayer and supplication. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, a couple more things just before you go. We have um, uh, Wednesday night we're going to be looking at Second uh, Kings chapter 1. We're in the study of, first, of Kings, and so we, just, we finished up Second Kings, and we're moving on into First Kings. We're looking at Ahaziah. And we're going to see some interesting things go on. Elijah's back here. This is the last chapter on Elijah's uh, things that he's done, his assignments. And from here on out, we'll have one more chapter when he goes on to be with, with the Lord. But on this one, he's going to do that. And so here, we put the question in your, in your bulletin if you didn't see it yet. So what happens when your boss asks you to do something that you don't think is good? How do you handle that? So we're going to look at that. It's going to be, that's in Second Kings chapter 1. We're going to begin to look at that see what we can do to, to handle it. There's the right way and there's the wrong way. And we're going to see some of those things from, from there. Um, we did not post the teachings from Brother Tony just yet. We have some problems with them. We are hoping today's recording comes out, but as we started last Sunday morning, the computer that we have used for a very long time, it's a Windows 98 computer. And if you ever wonder why we kept that computer back there doing all these things, it's because it is tough to change computers on this. There are so many things that can go wrong. Apparently some things did go wrong and the Sunday morning recording was completely lost. Uh, we're trying to... Uh, and that machine failed. So we moved over to another machine and we're using that. And apparently that was having a hard time using the microphone as the input source. So it was picking up everything going on in the room. So we actually have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb and get out all the things that are too loud to try and... Um, that would overshadow Brother Tony and, and we'll see if we can salvage enough out of them to get them to, to work we'll find out what happens with today's recording we set it up a little differently did some things to it we'll see how that all goes um, and I won't know until we actually pull it off and begin to do some, some things with it so we'll see how that, that all helps out uh, and Alyssa had something to tell you about with our, our day coming up here we had the family fun day 
this whole, whole reason for this is to get, have a reason to go out there and grab some people, bring them on out to a church event that's not a church event. That's not church service. And get people to come on out. So, come on. I'm just talking. So, September 12th, Family Fun Day. Woohoo! It's going to be fun. Anyway, so, but we do need, still need hands. We have a lot of things that are going to be taken care of um, with other vendors that are coming in. They're going to be kind of self-sustaining. But there are things that we want Zoe to be the ones that step in and do. Um, some carnival games. We have a balloon twister coming, which means we don't have a face painter. We have that open. Um, we're trying to get a big whatever, whether it's a petting zoo or, or pony rides or a huge bounce house. We're going to have something big that's a big draw. You can see it from the street. You can tell all your friends and family, come on out. Um, but we need help in lots of areas. Uh, everything from directing vendors in parking, making sure they get to where they're supposed to be to set up, to actually face painting, running the games. Um, we have mommy market tables that are going to be outside under this, this awning here. It's strictly children's stuff or maternity stuff, toys, clothes, shoes, books, whatever, for little ones, if we get enough interest, if there's enough A, donations, and B, help to run it, inside here we're looking at uh, more of like a rummage sale. So that's anything that's not kid-related. <laughs> um, home goods, adult clothing, adult shoes in good condition. Um, everything that is made from that rummage sale in here, that is part of the fundraiser for Zoe. That's all going to be donations and money goes to them. It's not the same thing for the mommy market stuff. That's all a different type of sales, a different type of situation. But, that being said, we want you to go home and clean out your closets and bring us our, your stuff in good condition. <laughs> um, but we need someone to help parcel, parcel it out. Okay, home goods are going to go over here, clothes are over here, shoes are over here, and then someone to actually be in here during the day. We don't need one person to stay in every area all day long. We can have rotations, we can have whatever. We want you guys to have fun too. But I just need to know what hands we have. If you have a specific area you know you want to help with, that's fine. If you're just like, hey, use me, I can use you, that's fine too. Um, yeah, but as soon as we know. If you cannot be here that day, if you can't help that day, we, we understand. I mean, it's life. It's Saturday. School has just started, so on and so forth. We have flyers in the back. Every place you go around this area, at least, has a community bulletin board, has a front window they can, they can put something in. We really want to get the word out to this community. We have a huge neighborhood back there, a huge neighborhood across the street. Everybody's in that little that shopping center down there anymore. So share it on Facebook. On the Zoe Church page is the link for the community event. So if that's the only thing you can do, do that. The more word of mouth, the more people we have coming, the better. I mean, we will have things from everyone ages little, little, little to big. <laughs> so bring them on out. There you go. That's good. So uh, then this is what you can stay in, in faith with us for. How many of you guys like Chick-fil-A? So we, it's looking good that we'll have the Chick-fil-A cow <laughs> come at, to the event. The cow will walk around. You can take pictures of them. Little ones can shake their hands. And he gives out coupons for free food. So we like the Chick-fil-A cow. Woo-hoo! I'm talking with her tomorrow. He, there's nothing on the calendar right now, but he, I don't know, pray that in. Um, we have a lot of direct sale vendors because that's what everybody likes to do. We have some really, really cool bounce houses we're looking at. But, again, we're not quite sure if it's going to be bounce house or petting zoo. We'd like it to be both, but we need the hands. <laughs> um, I don't know. What else are you talking about? Oh, uh, if we can also, again, 
with the hands. Zoe would be responsible for things like selling the tickets for the carnival games. We need somebody who's going to be responsible and good with money. We need someone who's good with children <laughs> to actually be at the games, staffing the games. Um, duck ponds, lollipop poles, nothing crazy, nothing like you're not going to be sitting in a dunk tank, I promise. <laughs> uh, unless you volunteer for that and then we'll rent a dunk tank. Anyway, and then that's the, that's the majority of it. It's going to be um, cotton candies and hot dogs. I have a food truck coming, which I'm super excited about because they're totally self-sustainable. I don't have to do anything for them. But a food truck's coming. Ice cream and hot dogs and funnel cake and cotton candy out of a truck. That's cool. That's exciting. I'm excited about that. Yeah, good nose from Doylestown. So if anybody, if you, you have connections, if you know someone who has a farm who wants to bring out a horse and a goat and a duck, let me know. <laughs> um... Yeah, and if you have any other ideas, any places where you don't think that we maybe have reached out for donations or for something like the Chick-fil-A cab that can come. Oh, I also have um, a dance company that I'm talking to. We don't necessarily have an, a stage outside, but they have dancers all the way up to their principal people that are 17, 18 years old that can come dressed in their big tutus, their beautiful costumes. They actually did a, a production last year where they were the princesses. Cinderella and the Aurora, they, they have all of that. So they're thinking they might be able to come and just walk around in costume taking pictures with the kids. I mean, who doesn't want to take a picture with the ballerina, right? Especially a princess ballerina. So there's all that kind of stuff. Then you, you don't have to. You just sit there. Um, but it's those kinds of things. If... I would be if they cannot I'll be reaching out to other ones so not only is that an activity but like I said to dad when you have a troop of dancers come you have a troop of dancers families come so all that kind of stuff is things that we're looking at so again if you have any other ideas anything that I will do the legwork I don't care come tell me <laughs> let me know and, and we'll make it happen that's everything right yeah eventually yeah once I see yeah once I see how many hands I have what areas we can really focus on. Uh, we'll, we'll have a meeting and go over the times and what everybody's jobs is and answer all the, the little nitty-gritty questions then, too. Yeah, I have it. Yep. I can. I can also put it on... It is on the, face, the Zoe Facebook page. It is. Um, and I think it's a JPEG on that. JPEG on that. So you can probably just download it and save it from there, and again share it in any avenue you have on that too. So, okay, I think that's it. We're looking for things that we can do to uh, bring the unsaved out, and this is just just one of the many things that we'll we'll have. Well, Brother Tony was here. He was telling me of a particular minister that is out there that some of you might be familiar with. We're going to see if we can... He was going to look in to see how expensive it might be to bring him out. How many ever heard of Mr. T? Yeah. I asked us to find out how much he costs to get on out. If we can, you know, we've been trying to get somebody who's a big name like that. But he's a preacher. He goes around and teaches. He's a he's born-again Christian, loves God. And uh, how many of you could bring somebody out to a Mr. T service? Yeah, Mr. T is going to be here. And he, he says he's exactly like he was in the show. He has all the gold and all that sort of stuff going on and, and uh, stuff like this. So it's, it would be fun. I think that would be a, be a great Sunday. We can have something like that. So we've tried uh, for some other ones, Brian Dawkins, and, and um, uh, there was another one we were trying. Chris Carter, we were trying different ones. Just haven't seen him be able to get anywhere with that. Just like to get somebody who in the area, they know, oh, we know him. We'd like to come on out and just give you an opportunity to, to be able to do that. So look for those in the, in the time to come. Bless some folks before you go.